Brilliant. Well, hello, everyone. Hello, everyone at home and uh, everyone in the room. Hello. I mean, thanks for the cheery welcome. It was great. Um, it's so good, Ben, so good to be uh, reminded, really, of the vision, um, well, that we're part of a vision to make disciples of all nations, that that is right here in our neighborhoods with King's Hope Initiative and with your neighbors at home uh, as well, uh, but then into the nations as well. And we, we join with Relational Mission, really, in the vision to plant 20 churches uh, in Norfolk and North Suffolk over the next 20 years, uh, to plant 100 churches in the UK by 2040, and then 20 churches in each European nation by 2050. This is a, a big vision, but it's trusting that God is able to do much more than we could possibly ask or imagine um, in our lifetime. And it's great to have so many people uh, joining in with things like Plant Europe um, and those um, uh, groups as well to follow up that calling. But as well, for, for those of you who maybe don't feel called to, to go at this, in this season of your life, to join in in prayer um, and giving as well. And you guys are doing that so faithfully, uh, month in, month out. And it's enabling us as a church to make disciples, to fulfill that commission that God has got for us, uh, to make disciples uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, essentially in our neighborhoods all the way out into the nations. So really excited to see what God is doing and what he's going to do. Uh, with us in the future. Uh, turn with me, if you will, uh, to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we are continuing our series uh, called Joy on the Journey, where we're just working our way through uh, passage by passage, verse by verse, through the book of Philippians. And we're going to be in verses 5 to 7 today. And Paul is addressing uh, anxiety, the issue of anxiety, what to do uh, when you feel anxious, um, how to not be anxious. And I just want to share a, a quick uh, just testimony of uh, my own in relation to anxiety. So uh, when I was in my mid-teens, um, so around 15 or 16 years of age, I started experiencing uh, anxiety. Um, and at the start, I didn't really know what was happening. I didn't know what I was feeling. Um, and I remember just thinking, like, what is going on? Um, and it started just ramping up, ramping up. I couldn't seem to control how I was feeling or what I was thinking about. And the, the situations and circumstances that were making me feel anxious, um, I, just, I just had no idea, really, what was going on. But it just got worse and worse. I started experiencing panic attacks um, as well. Um, and as the months and years went by, I started to think, man, this is, this is what my life is going to be like. This is, um, like, there's, there's no way out. I've, I've tried everything. Um, uh, I've, tr I've sought help in, in varieties of different places. I've obviously sought God. Um, time has not seemed to, to help. Um, and just remember thinking, this is my life. And I went off to university. Um, you might think a new start, new opportunities, but the anxieties uh, just actually got worse and worse. Um, and uh, graduated university and continued, uh, continued on. Um, and just, just can remember so many low points. I'm sure many of you can relate uh, to this story in some shape or form, but just can remember so many low points, dark, dark nights, dark days, um, just struggling to experience God's goodness and understand uh, how God could let something like that happen uh, to me. Um, by God's grace, I mean, by, by the age of 25, um, I'd been struggling with this for about 10 years and, and was still in really the place where I just thought this is going to be my life. 
uh, here on in. And uh, by God's grace, he just, it, it, I, I can't, it's hard to sort of share this bit of the testimony because I don't really know sort of what happened. But by his grace, he, he walked me out of it. I believe he brought some freedom um, through some prayer um, that uh, a friend uh, prayed um, with me, um, but also just that he enabled me to walk in a place of grace, uh, grace towards myself, grace towards others, grace to not have to control my situations and my circumstances, but to entrust my life over to the one who is in control. Um, and as I stood firm in that, that truth and that reality, God brought a wonderful uh, freedom uh, to me. Um, I'm now mid-30s, I'm 36, um, and uh, largely anxiety has, has gone from my life, and I'm really grateful uh, to God for that. This story, of my story of anxiety, um, has really shaped me, and I know for, for many, really, right across this world, right across this nation, right across this, this church, actually, anxiety is a problem um, in the last year, uh, the Office for National Statistics have done a lot of studies into how the pandemic has affected people, um, and they report that 19 million adults in Great Britain report high levels of anxiety. 19 million. So that's nearly a third of our nation's population, and that's not even taken into consideration those who might experience low levels of anxiety uh, or, or who might experience anxiety every so often. It's true across all ages, ethnicity, uh, status, gender, whether you're married or single, uh, it's just right across the board. And as Christians, we're not immune to the pressures of life. And the temptations to be anxious as things are thrown at us in terms of our health, our job, our family, friends. Maybe you're feeling anxious today. Maybe you're feeling anxious about returning to social situations as we try and navigate um, out of this pandemic. Or maybe you're uh, anxious about getting back into the room with other people at church. Maybe that fills you with anxiety and you're like, I'm not sure how, what that's going to look like. Thankfully, the Bible has a lot to say about anxiety, and Paul here addresses it. Um, Paul, the author, actually had much reason to be anxious. Uh, at, the, at the point of writing, he was in prison. Uh, he didn't know what his future looked like. He didn't know whether he would see his family or his friends ever again. Uh, there was actually a group of people who, um, who vowed to never eat or drink um, until they had killed Paul. Um, now, this is uh, I'm not sure the exact details of time, uh, but this is definitely a lot later than they made that vow. Um, so I don't know if they were still <laughs> vowing to not eat or drink or whether they gave into that. Um, but people were like, wanted him dead. Okay? He had much reason to be anxious. And yet in verse 11 of chapter 4, he says, um, I've, I've learned in whatever situation I am, to be content. So if, if Paul has learned how to be content, we want to, uh, I trust that we want to see how he got to a place of being content. What did he learn? And we, we see that revealed actually in verses five to seven, and I'll read it out and we'll work through it little by little. So he says, uh, the back end of verse five, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And if you do that, it then says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, Father, we, we pray that as we open your word, as we come underneath it and just say, Lord, speak to us. Would you help us? Uh, for those amongst us who are feeling anxious at the moment, I do pray that you would uh, bring freedom, uh, but I also pray that you'd help us put into practice uh, the things that Paul uh, writes here in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Okay. So first of all, um, Paul says, end of verse 5, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. So do not be anxious about anything. Paul is saying, like, there's nothing that you need to be anxious about. Don't be anxious for anything. That There are no exceptions. Um, there's nothing um, that you need to carry about. Uh, there's no anxious thought that you need to carry yourself. When I think of anxiety, I think that often the, the world can throw things at us. And ultimately, the enemy, Satan, throws things at us. And he throws things to do with finances and our jobs and our security uh, in life. And he'll throw health things at us. And uh, it might be stuff to do with family and friends and relationships and the future and what ifs and what if that. Um, and, he, and these things are thrown at us. And often what we can do is, because they're thrown at us, we then catch them. And what we end up doing is we, uh, we catch more and more things and we just end up carrying more and more things that we're trying to control, situations that we're thinking about and worrying about. And we can just end up burdened by this, this, this weight of anxiety. Uh, Jesus actually talks about it in Luke uh, 21 verse 34 where he says, to be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with the anxieties of life. Maybe your heart feels weighed down. Maybe you've, you've just caught thing after thing and you, you don't know, you can't, you just don't know what to do with all this stuff. You're just carrying this anxiety around with you. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. He's essentially saying, don't carry that stuff. Don't be tempted to pick stuff up or, or, or even catch it. It's not your job to do it. That God didn't design us to carry the weight and his heart for us is that we might be free from that. Now, why? why? Why can we and should we be anxious for nothing? Well, he does say it just before. He says, because the Lord is at hand. This is a deal of proximity and closeness. It is that Jesus is close to us. He's near to us. This word near, uh, the same Greek word is used in Ephesians 2 verse 13, where it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we who uh, were sinners uh, by, by birth and by nature, that, that we, uh, we've rebelled uh, uh, against God, we've turned away from him. And our sin and rebellion has created a separation from God. So that ultimately when we're born um, and by choice, we are then far from God. Far from a holy and perfect God. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are brought near to Jesus. We are brought into the, the welcoming and loving arms of the Father. We're brought near and that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, don't be anxious because Jesus is 
near. He's with you. Joshua, uh, when Moses has died, um, Joshua is then before the promised land, and this huge land before him. Many uh, enemies um, in the land that want the people of Israel like gone, obliterated from the face of the earth. It's a huge task, and you can understand for Joshua that he would have felt nervous, like, am I enough? What, what about myself, my family, my friends? What, what's this going to mean for us? And, um, and God says this to, to Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So there's the same, you know, as Paul's saying, do not be anxious. God's saying to Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And why? Well, God says to Joshua, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the encouragement really for Joshua is don't be afraid. Why? Because God is with you. He's present with you. Um, there's a book uh, doing the rounds at the moment called Gentle and Lowly, a wonderful book. I think it's Dan Ortland um, who uh, wrote it. And um, he said this. He said that Jesus is the most understanding person in the universe. He doesn't simply meet us at our place of need. He lives in our place of need. He never tires of sweeping us into his tender embrace. It is his very heart. It is what gets him out of bed in the morning. That is the heart of Jesus towards us. That's the heart of the Father. It is a closeness and a nearness. And it's the nearness of the Father that gives confidence to the children. So when our kids wake up at night and they're they're, 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 you know, they're, they're frightened and they're, they're alone. Actually, as I go in and, and tenderly embrace them and say, it's okay, it's okay, the nearness of the Father puts them at ease. It helps them to not feel anxious. And that's what Jesus is for us. He's near. He's near. Let's live in the good of that. He's with us. He knows us. He loves us. He's for us. And he knows what it's like. Let's move on. So do not be anxious about anything because the Lord is at hand. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he's, he's essentially saying, um, stop perpetually worrying and start perpetually praying. Okay, if you're a worrier, if you're anxious, you probably feel that sense of it's just a perpetual, like I'm on this treadmill of worry. Paul is encouraging us to get off that treadmill and get on a treadmill of prayer, of thanksgiving. He says in everything, pray about everything, the big things, the small things, and everything in between. He's saying, let your life be saturated with prayer. Let it be the first thing that you turn to, that when something happens or a situation or circumstance that you, you're tempted to feel anxious about, take it to the Lord in prayer. Acts and Romans and 1 Corinthians and Colossians and Ephesians, they talk about devoting ourselves as Christians to prayer. It's, it's having our whole lives marked by uh, an attitude of prayer. Ephesians 6 verse 18 Encourages us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers 
and requests. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, to cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on Him. When I think of anxiety and I think of these things that we're carrying, actually this verse to cast all our anxieties on Him is a deal of taking the things that we're carrying and it's rolling them to Jesus in prayer. He's rolling these big boulders that we're carrying, rolling them to him in prayer and leaving them with him. It's letting go of control. For me, um, I think most of my anxiety was because I was trying to control situations and circumstances to try and minimize the anxiety that I was feeling. So if it was to do with finances, I might think, well, how can I earn enough money to provide for myself or my family? How, uh, what does that look like? I'm trying to control situations and circumstances around me, and that is understandably tiring and exhausting. Casting our anxiety on Him is trusting Him. It's rolling those things to Him. It's letting go of control. Martin Luther, the reformer, said uh, that we should pray and let God worry. Pray and let God worry. So we should pray. He also calls us here in verse 6 to supplication. And this is, this is a type of prayer, but it's specific requests for specific needs. And we get this deal of supplication uh, in the story of Zacharias. Uh, so you've got Zacharias and Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth is barren. They can't have any kids. And Zacharias is praying for a kid. So he's got a specific need, and he brings a specific request to God the Father. And an angel comes to, uh, to Zacharias in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 13, and says that your prayer has been heard. Your supplication, same word, your supplication has been heard. It's this encouragement to bring specific requests to God. And it's believing prayer. It's prayer full of faith. And we'll see in a minute that it's prayer of thanksgiving. It's not worrying out loud. Boy, the number of hours I spent um, over, and have spent over the years worrying out loud in prayer. And it's not that God doesn't want to hear what's on our hearts. But what Paul is calling us here to is believing prayer. It's prayer that's trusting God with the outcome. It's prayer that trusts that God is good, that he's with us, that he's for us, that as Ben said earlier, that he will work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It's, it's that sense of believing prayer. So when we bring things to God, we leave them with him. Rather than taking them away and then thinking about them further and mulling over them and just letting the anxiety play over in our mind again, it's leaving it with God. He cares for you. He knows before you even ask him what you, what you need. So you come to a father who, who wants uh, to hear your heart, but, but trust him there and leave it with him. Thirdly, thanksgiving. So we've seen prayer, supplication, and thirdly, thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving here should really uh, mark both our prayer and our supplication. So as we do those things, we should, uh, we should saturate those things in thanksgiving. And really, our whole lives should be marked by that 
as well. As Christians, we've got so much to be thankful for, of who God is to us, but also what God has done for us. That often we're full of anxiety because we're empty of thanksgiving. Anxiety actually drains our thankfulness. It takes our eyes away from a God who uh, is unable, uh, well, sorry, thanksgiving reorients our hearts away from a God who is unable, a God who is unwilling, a God who is lacking, to a God who gives abundantly, who loves us and cares about every small detail of our lives. Thanksgiving has an incredible transforming effect upon our lives and how we look at our lives and the the truth that we believe in the Word. As we give thanks for who God is, we actually start to then just believe the truth about who God is in our lives. Let me encourage you to have this attitude of gratitude, to be known as a thankful person. You might say, well, why Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. Well, because you know that God is the God of promise, who's promised that nothing's ever going to come into your life that's too much for you to bear. That he is the God of promise who's working all things for your good. He's the God of promise who is causing you maybe to suffer for a little while in order that you might be made perfect, that you might be settled, that you might be established and firm in the faith. Cultivate thankfulness. Find ways in your life to be thankful. And before bed, Jude and I, we basically turn to one another and we say, what are the three things that you're thankful for? And we might have had a rubbish day. (laughs) Might have had a really like anxiety-filled day. Might have had a day where just stuff has been thrown at us and we're, we're carrying stuff. And it might have been a really mundane day, but we, we, we say, no, say three things. Come on, come on. We've got three things that we can be thankful for. Sometimes it's just, God, I thank you for this bed that I'm sleeping in. Sometimes it's, God, thank you that you have been enough, that you've brought me to the end of the day. Sometimes it's thankfulness for specific prayer requests. Sometimes it's, thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me, that I might be brought back into a relationship with you. We turn over and go to sleep. Find ways to cultivate thankfulness. You might want to do that, obviously, with a spouse, or you might want to do it with a friend. Maybe just text one another every day. Three things you're thankful for. You might want to just pray to God and, and each day say th- three things you're thankful for. Cultivate this thankfulness. It changes our hearts and our attitude towards the situations and circumstances that might cause us to be anxious. Okay, let me try and land the plane. Verse 7, Paul says that if we pray, if we bring our supplications to God, and if we, with thanksgiving, present our requests to God, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Philippi, it was a Roman, uh, it was a Roman city, and there would have been Roman guards everywhere guarding who comes in, who goes out, who's moving around. Um, The Roman guards would have been everywhere. And Paul, who was under house arrest, chained to a guard, um, has this, this picture of the peace of God guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That is the peace of God. It is peace from God. Okay, It's a peace that God gives us. 
Jesus talks about his peace in John chapter 14, verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The world gives pressure, gives anxiety, gives fear, and it it sets our mind on those things, whether that's news or social media, fear-mongering. That's what the world gives. Jesus says that he gives his peace. He gives his peace. It surpasses all understanding. It guards our minds and our hearts. It's supernatural. We don't get it from man. We don't get it by having the answers either. I want to say that as well. Our peace is not in the answers. It's not in a fixed up life. The answer is not the issue. This verse, uh, these verses, verse 6 does not say that if you, uh, if you pray and give thanks and get the answer that you need such that the problem goes away, then you will know the peace of God. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It's not about the answers. It says that whatever and whenever trials and tribulations and anxieties come, that God, as you pray and give thanks, that he will give you peace, that he's the one who dispenses peace to the person who through prayer is thankful and trusts in him. Let me assure you that if you know and follow Jesus, that you are in Christ. And that is where the peace comes. He says at the end that it's, it's um, a guarding of our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That we have every reason to trust him, to know his goodness and his love and his kindness over us. And I want to end. Just maybe um, Nathan and Eve, if you guys could get ready. Just with an invitation, really. And it's an invitation from Jesus. It's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And it's an invitation to people who are weary. And in this instance, weary with worry. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Dan, Ort- Dan Ortland um, uh, says of this, uh, these verses that Matthew 11 tells us explicitly who qualifies for fellowship with Jesus. It is all who labor and are heavy laden. Are you heavy laden today? Dan says you don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. It is your very burden that qualifies you to come. It's not only that Jesus can relieve us from our troubles like a doctor prescribing medicine. It is also that before any relief comes, he is with us in our troubles like a doctor who has endured the same disease. Take your heavy heart to Jesus. You'll find him understanding. You'll find a a God of love and kindness. And you'll find him with a light burden that he wants to give you. He loves you. He's for you. And guys, if you don't know Jesus, you can know peace with God today. You can know his peace. 
you can know the Father who welcomes you in, that as you repent and turn away from your sin, you can be welcomed in. And for those of us who are anxious, let's, let's now as we worship, let's bring our heavy hearts to Jesus in prayer, in thanksgiving. Let me encourage you, maybe as we sing, just start reeling off some things that you're thankful for. Let's cultivate that thankful heart. Jesus, we thank you so much that you love us and are for us and that your invitation is to come. It's to come now. It's to come every day. It's to come in every situation and circumstance. It's to come when we, uh, when we feel like we've blown it again or we feel like we, we've fallen again. It's to come and come and come again. And I pray that we would. I pray that we would come and know and experience your grace and your kindness that saves us and helps us walk in the goodness of knowing, Lord, that you are near, that you are at hand, that you are with us. Jesus, we love you. Lord, help us as a church to stand in the good of this. Help us as, as uh, communities of faith and in life groups, Lord, to, to gather alongside one another, to point one another to you, Jesus, and to help one another stand firm in your peace, Lord Jesus. Help us in Jesus' name.